This is the Golf Under Par Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy McCullough. We are on a journey to find the information that's going to help you play the best golf of your life. Join us now as we dive in. Welcome, everybody, to the Golf Under Par Podcast. I'm Dr. Jeremy McCullough here with a special guest, David Berry. He's a golf pro at Clonmel Golf Club in Ireland. Um, he's also the founder of David Berry Golf Coaching. Uh, you can find that at Derry Berry. David Barry golfcoaching.com and got lots of resources on there. Lots of information for, for golfers to help break down the golf swing and whatnot. So David, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me on Jeremy. Pleasure to be here. So I always start asking everybody, how'd you get into golf? Um, golf for me was always something that was in my family, my mom's side of the family, particularly, um, and we would have spent summers up in my mother's relations. All the uncles, cousins, they played it. And I suppose as a as a young kid, you're very heavily influenced by people a small bit older than you. Um, and I have, a, I have a cousin five years older than me. He's turned professional. He was on county teams and Ulster teams. And I suppose he was the, the cool guy to me growing up. Uh, so played that uh, over summers. And then like so many kids in Ireland just playing every sport as a kid golf was the one that just just drew to me that that thing of I'm I'm ultra competitive um I'll try and beat you in everything without being uh too uh strappy about it but I'm ultra competitive and golf was the one that allowed me to be as competitive as I wanted to be uh it allowed me to be competitive on my own um and not just have to do training and stuff like that um, and you weren't relying on anyone else. So I, th- I think that's what really drew your own game. Uh, it's up to you what you want to do. And it's a it's a game that you get back what you put into it, which which I always kind of liked compared to team sports, where especially as a kid growing up, there was always a couple of kids that wouldn't be too interested in training or goofing around. Whereas me with that competitive edge, I just always wanted to have that ownership of something. So I suppose that's what, that's what really drew me to golf, but it, it's, it's always been in the family as well. Very cool. So with most of the world heading into the cooler months and what I wanted to talk to you about a lot about is just kind of getting, making changes, I guess, to the game in, in during these kind of cooler months when, you know, maybe not as much access to, to hitting golf balls. Um, but what recommendations, what recommendations do you give to work for people that are wanting to work on their game? Yeah. So like this time of year is a, is a fantastic time of year for, for improvement. Um, but to kind of look that and try and improve, I think the first thing you've got to do is look back and kind of think of, okay, well, have an honest look at your own golf game. Kind of, I'm, I'm a big guy for making lists and, and writing stuff down. And it's, it's something that I just don't see enough in players is that having a look backwards and really kind of having that honest look at your own golf game. Um, the thing about golf as well, I suppose, is that thing of it, it is whatever you want it to be. So I think knowing what you want golf to be for yourself as well is, is quite important. Just for, for that elite player, it's something totally different to your recreational 16 handicapper, 17 handicapper compared to your beginner who wants to get into it to, have something to do as they grow a little bit older and stuff like that. So I think first is it's, it's understanding what you want it to be. 
and then having an honest look at your game and then if it's if it is something that I assume most of the listeners to this podcast would be it's it's something where they do want to improve a bit so it's it's having that honest look and going not being too emotionally involved or attached I suppose not involved but emotionally attached to to your golf game and having a look at it from a real kind of perspective of this is what actually costs me shots and this is what I'm good at this is what I'm weak at um and and going forward with that uh it's 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 figuring out them weaknesses and figuring out them strengths is is a talent in itself I assume like I suppose it's it's not that it's it's you wouldn't class it as a golf skill but it is a skill to be able to pick out what you need to work on and what you need to to kind of work towards what's going to help you what's what's actually going to make a difference in your game um i see it just way too often where where people have this idea of that if they can do x y or z that will make them better and most of the time i'd be looking at these players and i'm kind of thinking well okay it's it's it would make you a better player if you got this but the the return on investment basically isn't great it might take a lot of effort to get a small bit better when there's always something that takes less effort and it's going to improve your game more. Um, I think that's something that most amateurs can't find is, is that something that doesn't take too much work. It might be that flashy, but it will definitely improve their golf game. Yeah. So I guess talking kind of this low hanging fruit that we're, we're discussing, you know, something easily to pick out. What, what would you say would be something that somebody should kind of look at and, or what are, I guess, more common things that you see in the, the typical amateur? Let's say, you know, your, your mid-handicapper, 15, 20. Yeah, like a, a huge thing there is, is have a look at your equipment to start. So have a look at your equipment and, and even kind of have a look through your own golf bag and see, okay, do I use all my golf clubs? Or am I bringing some golf clubs for a walk on the golf course? I've, I've so many times go to this person's bag and pick out and I kind of, Oh, how'd you hit the four iron? Whatever. Oh, I hate it. Don't, uh, I absolutely hate hitting it. I hit it once a year and I'm going, okay, well, why is it in the back? <laughs> why is it in the bag? Same with maybe a tree wood or something like that. Or if you struggle with long irons, there's so many more options. Now golf, golf has never been easier. So that's, that's yeah. the one thing we do have to understand is golf has never been easier, but, we don't want to make it easy for ourselves. So you, you see there, there's there's tour players now putting seven woods into their golf bag, but the typical 12 to 18 handicapper thinks, oh, I, I'm, I'm going backwards if I have to hit a seven wood. So it's, it's throw them four, five, six irons out of the bag, put in rescue woods. So real have that first look at your bag and go, is everything in my bag really helping me? So if you need a jigger, put a jigger in your bag. So if you need, so if you need two drivers, put two drivers in your bag. It just make sure that everything in your bag has a purpose and that it's going to help you. And then it, it could be a case as well. Like most amateurs play over ninety percent of their golf at their home course if they're a member of a course, but they have a golf bag that's designed for all their rounds of golf that they're thinking well it's going to suit this course this course this course and this course and i'm kind of thinking well no get the bag that's going to fit 90 percent of your golf so so if you need that if there's a par tree that you struggle on and there's a an extra wood that you can get into your bag 
yeah if if you only use it ever on your home course off a tee whatever just just make sure that everything in your golf bag is actually suited towards you it's, yeah. it sounds so simple but it's it's just overlooked because people think that if i want to get better i have to do something drastic but it yeah, can so sometimes should, be something as simple as that i should probably just take a sunday bag with like my three wood and seven iron maybe a pitching wedge and a putter and i'd probably be fine playing my typical round because that's what i'm going to lean towards anyways but like Eh, it's it's 180 i'm gonna try to hit the seven iron or just a soft three three wood i don't know figure something out yeah and it's just it's it's taking that ownership of understanding what what you actually do need though like and and that's where like that's where your pga professional your club pro professional whatever it is that's where where they come in to they can have them conversations with you joe it's as i said at the start it's it's kind of a skill to work all this stuff out some people are better at it than other people but if you're if you're looking at it, you can't decide. That's where you then go for advice from from your PGA professional, from your mentor, from even like if you don't have one in the club, who's the best golfer that you know? Can you can you pick their brain a little bit and ask them? Do you see me ever hitting a good shot with a six iron? And they go, Oh no, I love. Then it's that guy. Then goes, I love when I'm playing you for money, and I see you pulling that that club because I know you're gonna mess that up. Joe, there's so many guys like this, and it's it's just get them out of the bag. Yeah. Um, so so we know that golfers are are pretty stubborn people, and so the I can guarantee you a lot of the listeners are gonna be like, I, I can't take that out of my bag, right? Um, and so those, those are the ones that are going to want to have maybe change their swing up to make that club work a little bit better. So what it kind of, you know, what do you, what do you start with, with making these kind of preparations for changing your swing, maybe a little bit to, to better suit, you know, some of these, we'll say trouble clubs that people have. Yeah. Well, the first thing I, I, I look at always is if we just say, Jeremy, you can come to me now and it's this time of year and you said, look, Dave, I want to try and get better over the winter. Okay, this is my plan. It's off season. I want to try and get better. Well, the first thing is we have to put some sort of a plan in place because inevitably what's going to happen is over the winter, there's going to be periods of your practice or your improvement journey that aren't going to go the way you want them to go. And sometimes it's there's a big rise and then a drop and a rise, but sometimes it starts with a drop. And it's very easy to just go back to, oh no, I'll just, I'll just do it the comfortable way I used to be. I'm happy enough. I'm not going to do that. So the first thing is like, you have to have that plan in place. So where are you trying to go? Like, what's, what's your goal? What's, what's your, what would you be happy with going into next season with? And then when you know what that goal is, it's a lot easier then to figure out, well, how can we get to that goal? So if, you're someone who's shooting regularly high 80s and you want to get be someone who shoots into the 70s and Joe low 80s regularly. Well, that's your that's your goal. How do we get there? Well, we can look then at certain things. We can look at Joe. The big thing, it's it's easy for me to say that I can improve you if you hit it further. And that's down to it could be a mix of yourself there having a video a trainer um it can be myself with technique wise it can be joe it can be so many different things but generally it's not length that's causing most average golfers to not be another couple of strokes lower 
you know, there is obviously this cap that if you don't hit it far enough, I was talking to one man today um, and he hits his driver 180 yards. <laughs> because he knows now because there's no run in the ball, he's coming up short in part threes that are 180 yards. So inevitably he actually hits it about 170. He thinks he hits it 180. So obviously he is someone that needs a bit more distance. But, but for most people, if they can hit it over 200 yards, they should be able to shoot somewhere comfortably low 80s high 70s so you just start looking and you go through your your tick or your checklist and that's how you think like okay can you hit it far enough yeah you can or you can't that's something that can be worked on but it doesn't stop there even if that's what you need to improve on that's something that's always just trying to be improved in the background then you have a look at okay well are you are you costing yourself penalty strokes off the tee I'd be far more interested in that than distance-wise. I'm then looking at how many tree puts are you having per round? Because all these things are really simple to fix. And as much as we want to maybe improve you with a seven iron from 150 yards, and you'll feel better about that, maybe emotionally better, and you'll look better to your buddies, it's it's the not having a penalty shot off the tee and having one less tree put around that's what's actually going to affect your score. So you're taking this list of what's my, what's my power like? What's my penalties off the tee like, Joe? What's, that's a bit to do with strategy. Am I tree put in too often? Am I, Joe, am I costing myself shots from inside 50 yards? Joe, how many times does it actually take me five shots to get up and down from 50 yards and in? So the first thing you have to do before you save shots from 50 yards or 60, 70 yards and in is not cost yourself shots. So like if I'm 50 yards out and I'm missing the green the odd time, again, that's something that's going to be really easy to fix and can save you shots straight away. And then through all that, then, yeah, you're, want to, you're going to want to be improving. You're going to want to be working. You've made this plan. We might do some swing work as well. But with me, before you check anything in the swing anyway, it has to be a generally good setup. So if, if the setup is off, it's going to affect everything else. So that has to be generally right. And, and I'm only ever looking for a couple of things. I don't think I'm not, I'm very much away from, there is no model, there is no, it has to be this, 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 and this. But to hit a good golf shot, there has to be a couple of things happen. If we're just talking you want to improve from 150 yards, that seven iron shot that is so common that people want to get better at and that people spend so long in the driving range trying to get better at. So if that's what we're looking at, there's a couple of things you have to do. One of them is you have to hit the ball and end the ground. And, and one thing I see a lot is people practicing over the winter months, they're practicing off mats in a driving range and they think they're hitting the ball lovely. And I'm listening to the sound of them and I'm hearing this kudunk click, kudunk click, as in they're hitting the mat and then the ball. But because the mat is forgiving, they're looking at this ball fly. And it's actually flying with a little less spin as well. So it's going a little bit further and they're thinking, gee, because I'm getting good here. I'm getting brilliant here. And then they go out onto the course and they hit mud, mud, mud. And they feel, gee, all this work I'm putting in and I'm actually getting worse. So the first thing, like you have to hit that, it has to be a proper strike. It has to be ball, then, then turf, ball, then mat, whatever it is. But when you're practicing, there has to be some sort of 
feedback. So if you did, if you did nothing technical in your golf game, but you somehow managed to not get penalty strokes as much off the tee, you improved your lag putting by practicing that and making sure that your tempo and rhythm was good in your putting. So you'd less tree putts and you had some sort of feedback when you were hitting golf shots off mats, you'd improve. Everyone would improve. And that doesn't matter if you're a 24 handicap, a 16 handicap or a three year scratch golfer, you will improve if that's the way you practice. And totally. that's simple stuff. Yeah. So what are, what are some of your favorite uh, feedback ways? Let's start with like, you know, iron striking here. What's, what's some of your favorite feedback for that ball striking? You're saying we need to hit ball then ground. So what can we do for that? Yeah. So first thing is being aware of that sound. If you're on, if you're on the range and you're listening to uh, Joe, Matt strikes, First off, just actually being aware of that different sound because in the majority of the lessons I, I teach and we're talking about this, if it's off a mat and I'm listening to this and you hear the student kind of going, yeah, these aren't actually too bad. I'm asking them, like as coaches, we're always, we're probing and we're trying to figure out what, what you, the student, is actually thinking. And kind of going, oh, how'd you feel about that? And he said, oh yeah, that's a pretty good one. But I'm kind of going, oh, that sounded horrible <laughs> in my head. Um and then you explain this kind of mat and ball, and then I'd demonstrate it by uh, showing them this is the sound of a mat and ball, this is the sound of a good strike, and they'll go, oh, yeah, that sounds different. And instantly they kind of get that. So they get that, okay, well, that's the sound I'm looking for. I can hear that, that really crisp sound because they've probably heard it on the range and they think it's something to do with the power or something like that. They haven't related that this was why it was happening so just being aware that sound is is number one and then to actually train it there's there's piles of ways to train it something like a bit of chalk or a bit of talcum powder in front of the ball and kind of getting your external focus to be thinking of okay well i'm going to try and get rid of the talcum powder i'm going to try and get rid of the chalk instead of this kind of scooping underneath the ball. That's a great way because it's very visual. And the other great one is just having something like a towel behind the ball. So if you had a, a nice slim towel and about maybe a fist or a club head behind the ball and making sure you're not clipping that, that towel through impact is two easy things just to improve that, that sound of that strike. And, and once you start to hear the sound, the, the tools don't need to be there as much to help because you can hear it, you'll start to feel it, you'll start to associate this is what I'm striving towards compared to that player who's, who's practicing and not even aware that they're practicing something that is hurting their golf game because it, that's something that happens so often as well. It's, it's golfers are doing stuff so really well but it's the wrong thing for their golf game. They're not aware that that's hurting them. I tell, tell them like habits are good. People a lot of times see habits as oh, everything's a bad habit. And I'm like, no, habits are good. We just have to create new habits. So you might have the habit of hitting the mat and ball, 
we just have to create a new habit. And that's, that's like having these maybe external cues, stuff like that. So I, like as a real basic thing, if, if you're not doing that, you're not going to be able to play great golf. Yeah. And so then we all, you also talked a little bit about lag putting um, there and working on that. And what kind of what feedback or uh, drill would you use in order to kind of improve that? Uh, yeah, so so putting's a an interesting one. I suppose putting something that I myself personally have changed my my idea of how to teach putting and how I see putting in the last couple of years, um, and I've went very much away from how it looks, how it should arc back. It should be like a door opening, closing, um, and. The first thing I'll always focus on now is is rhythm and tempo of the stroke. So is is that rhythm and tempo of the stroke correct? And it's amazing how many times by correcting the rhythm, the stroke itself improves. And if the rhythm and the timing is wrong, you're always going to struggle on distance putting anyway. So if you are someone who's confined to only practicing indoors and you can just get a 10 foot put in a carpet and you practice your rhythm and timing on that that's also going to help you from 30 feet it's also going to help you from 60 feet so it doesn't have to be a thing of oh well i can't practice my lag putting now until i get back onto golf courses in the summer again but but having that that rhythm and tempo is it's going to f- kind of it, it, it papers over a lot of cracks very easily and it's, it's a real easy rhythm. Like, just really simply go onto YouTube, look at people like Jordan Speed, look at Tiger Woods putting, just type it in and just watch them over again and just start to, to look at the rhythm. And because now we've everything technology-wise, grab a metronome app on your phone and try and figure out a tempo on the metronome that's suited towards you. You could maybe, while you're watching the video first on YouTube, kind of match it up to that and then start to try and put, and do it without a ball first as well. Just see, can you kind of get that putter rocking on that metronome on the beats, back and forward, back and forward. You can adjust it a little bit. It doesn't have to be absolutely precisely the same tempo as as Tiger Woods, as Jordan Speed, whatever it is, but it shouldn't stray too far away from it. And just finding that right rhythm and tempo for you will really improve that that lag putting. Because if we think of, I think of it in the way of like, if we think of a golf shot, there's a lot of things we have to do to hit a golf shot. We have to get the club from some way over our head, back down onto the ball, hit the ball first, then the ground, hit the middle of the club face. The club face has to be pointed in the right direction. It can't be pointed too differently than the direction of the club going or else the ball is going to spin too much in the air. You have to have a lot of velocity to get the ball to go X amount of distance. There's so much stuff can has to happen in a golf shot. With putting, none of them things have to happen. The putter has to be pointed where you want the ball to go and you have to put the right amount of force into it. Once that ball, because it's a circle, starts rolling, 
it rolls end over end. So the, the amount of spin we can apply to it isn't much. And if, if you ever doubt that, just get a stripey ball and try and spin it as much as you can on a putting green. And you'll see after the second it starts rolling, it rolls end over end over end. So if you can get your, your rhythm right and then be able to point that putter in the right direction, so working on that start line, you're going to be a great putter. It doesn't have to look perfect. It doesn't have to fit into a template. It just has to be the right amount of power because like that power as well is going to help you hold more putts from eight to 15 feet as well because you're now matching your, your pace with your line. Um, so if you can practice your rhythm, your pace control is going to be better. If you practice your pace control, you now can start to kind of match the pace and the line you're picking and then just pick, okay, a little drill where you just put two tees down just over the width of a ball and be able to put through that so that you can start the ball straight. So like putting so easy to improve, but people just don't practice it properly. So the metronome, there's really not a, an ideal like range that people should be working on. It's more of, of finding that consistency, I guess, with, with their, with their pattern. Yeah. I like, um, I think it, it's about 78 beats per minute for a 10 foot putt, I think is what they would classes, I think around ideal. Um, I might be a little bit off on that, but I think it's around that, but I always tell somebody if they're going to ask me, what should it be? And I go, well, if you are somebody who's everything's quick and jerky and Joe, everything they do in life is fast. They're Joe, like you look at that, their rhythm and their swing is fast and everything's fast. They should have a quick tempo. And then you'd look at someone who maybe is very slow and drawn back and they might be a bit more relaxed. So their tempo might be a little bit slower. So it's, it's, it's getting that. And it's even back to that kind of start there where we're talking about kind of having that honest look at the game and, taking this kind of ownership of your golf game, you have to have that ownership of this as well. Like, okay, well, have an honest look to like, am I, am I that lazy kind of Dustin Johnson? There's nothing rushed about him. Or am I this kind of Jordan Speed, who's you can see he's got that little extra mannerisms. He's a bit quicker. Joe, a Keegan Bradley, Joe, someone like that. They're going to have different tempos. So like if, if you asked, like go back to older golfers, if you if you tried to get Greg Norman to swing at Ernie Els's pace and tempo and put at that, you would have ruined him. And yeah. you would also ruined Ernie Els trying to match him into Greg Norman's rhythm and tempo, or Nick Price, all these players, like it's it's not about this is right or wrong, but it is something that I think you really match it to your personality joe golf is looks like this sport where where we see these personalities and we see it less and less in golf now i suppose compared to what it was before because a lot of this natural talent and kind of rhythm is being coached out of a lot of these players that we're not seeing that kind of natural rhythm come true i like i'm sick of kind of saying in my head of McElroy puts best when he just gets up and everything's loose and free and he hits it compared to when he went through that phase where he did a lot of tinkering before he went to Brad Fax. He got a lot better now, but he, before he went to Brad Fax, everything was 
unbelievably free and loose up into the green. And then everything became very mechanical on the green. And it was like, that might work for someone like uh, Hideki Matsuyama, who's everything is in that terms in his game. It suits his personality for that. Doesn't suit his personality for, for putting. So it's, it's finding your own, finding your own way. Because like we've seen it so many times, this game is so brilliant in that, that you don't have to do it a certain way. There isn't, there isn't this thing of, you have to do this to be great because there's been so many great golfers doing it their own way, but it's, it's about being brave enough to actually decide, yeah, I'm doing it my own way. But on the flip side of that, not being stubborn and going, Oh, my way is the only way (laughs) because obviously sometimes stuff has to change, but if, if it's the correct ownership of it, it can be so much better than trying to change it. Yeah. So makes you think you know, we hear uh, um, Einstein quote about insanity is kind of doing the same thing over and over again. So at what point do you uh, decide that there's got to be a point to change? When it's not working. Yeah. So that's it. Like, yeah, that's it. If it's, if you're trying to do something over and over and over again and it's not working, you have to change it. <laughs> yeah. um, if you're doing something and it's working well, well why change it so, and that's that's where a lot of times like we go back to that kind of putting a plan in place and stuff like that at the start that's so important to understand that there there's stuff in everybody's golf game no matter how bad you are at golf there's something in your golf game that's working so that doesn't need to change but no matter who you are as well there's something in your golf game that isn't working and is costing you shots and that's what then needs to change. So if if you're someone, and we go back to that, Joel, penalty shots off the tee, if you're someone and you're, you are, on average, at least losing one golf ball, if not more, per round off the tee, well, then you got to go, okay, well, this is the thing that's not working. And then, well, well why is it not working? And it's like, if, if you were to think of it in the terms of, your TV and your TV won't turn on. Is it broken? No, it's, it's not working, but okay. Why is it not working? Is it a case of you have to change the batteries in the remote control to turn it on? Or is it something that, yeah, it's unfixable and it needs a total overhaul? So it doesn't always have to be this major overhaul. Sometimes a really easy fix is the answer. And that can be, Joe, you hit a big, huge slice off the tee and you come to me and you're going, okay, I hit this slice. I lose at least one golf ball right on every every time I play golf. The golf course I play has lots of trouble right on all And I go, okay, well, maybe it's a combination then of, and this is, again, the job as a coach of figuring out, okay, well, well why is maybe, like, if we're just taking you as an example, Jeremy, I'm not saying that you slice it, but I do. you might be, oh, okay, so, so, um, I would have, when I was a kid, I, I sliced the ball, okay? So I had this horrible slice of my driver as a kid and didn't really figure out until I looked back at this as a coach and realized, okay, well, the golf course I grew up on, the, the first hole we played, there was out of bounds right, okay? So, but there was another hole left. So we used to all, every junior in the club used to aim for the other hole because you could still hit it onto the green and it was an easier tee shot. So 
first, if you're trying to hit the fairway, was hard, but there's out of bounds right. There was then another hole that would come up that I'd always lose golf balls on. I'd be okay driving. I'd hit so many balls right on the first until I started aiming left. I was fine. And then I'd drive the ball fine until I came to this. The 11th hole in Mahan Golf Course is a drive over water, but there's a river on the right as well. So you had to hit a decent amount of power for a kid, but it's out of bounds right. And I hit every ball into the river. Every round I can remember as a kid, all I have in my head, because as golfers, we're all scared for bad shots, is I feel that I hit the ball into the water every single time. And it's because as a kid, I didn't realize that, well, what was I doing? There was trouble right, so my swing went way left. So because I was reacting to the river on the right, now the bounds on the right, so I'd swing more left. So my path goes more left. I end up slicing the ball more and I hit crap shots. And then on that back nine, there's another couple of holes with trouble on the right and I'd slice the ball for the rest of the round. And that's, that's how I developed a slice as a kid. So Sounds like me too. That's ex- sounds like you explained my course as well. Everything was to the right. <laughs> to the right, yeah. So if you've trouble all the way on the right, you'd expect probably most of the golfers who learned their golf on that course to grow up with a slice. If there's trouble on the left, you'll probably see that a lot of them will hook it. So it's, it's a lot of it of that, like, Joe, nurture an environment. Like, how, how did you learn it? What was the environment? And how did that affect your learning? If you grew up on a course and there's no trees, big, wide fairways, you'll hit the ball miles because yeah, it's easy. I can just whack it. If you grew up on a really tight course, probably won't have as much swing speed until it gets trained as the person who grows up in a white course so if you come to me and you tell me yeah you've got this slice and then you're telling me that that oh yeah the course you play has a lot of out of bounds on the right a lot of trouble on the right well it that's the first part of you mightn't even understand that yeah when there's trouble right i swing away from trouble and i end up slicing the ball more so that's the thing of understanding it first. And then it could just be a case of, oh yeah, look, we can just change your grip because you have a weak grip as well. So it, it can be as simple as that sometimes, but other times it's a bit more deep rooted. And then it has to take a bit of like, there's, there's a lot of emotional baggage then, which you've seen a lot of shots sail out of bounds. So, so I'm not going to be able to tell you, you've come to me for a lesson and you've told me you've slicing it right and there's out of bounds right and you want to stop this right shot and I got you oh well if you just swing out to the right you'll be fine so you're swinging left swing out to the right and you're kind of going well Dave I, I, I want to stop the ball from going right right so even though that is the answer maybe the first stage of that has to be okay we'll get you to hit the ball left Joe so can we can we teach you how to hook it yeah. Joe, rather than thinking of, oh, we have to overhaul your golf swing because some of the best players in the world have spent years trying to change golf swings and actually sometimes been unsuccessful. Joe, should we expect you to be able to change your golf swing when you're going to be able to get to the driving range once a week, Joe, twice a week at best? So can we just teach you how to hook the ball? So if you're if you're able to hook the ball and you understand now how to hook the ball, you understand how to slice the ball, it's kind of a bit easier now to hit it a little bit straight. You can kind of at least 
even if you're hooking it on them holes that you hit it out of bounds on, you're chipping out into the fairway, you're up around the green in, in three. Um, so sometimes it doesn't have to be this total overhaul of the swing, even if it is totally broken. It can be a lot easier fixes of it. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's again where if you come to me and you just want to be able to take 10 bucks off your friends, that's probably the easiest way to do that. If you come to me and go, uh, my, my ultimate goal in life is to be, when I'm 50, I want to play on the seniors tour. <laughs> we might have to go, okay, we have to approach this totally different. So, and, that, and that's where, again, going back to that ownership of your game, what's, what's, what's the goal? What's the, Joe, where is this journey leading us to? What do you want it to be? Um, and I've had, I've had players come to me and they've told me that they're not really interested in scoring and they want to look like a good golfer. <laughs> it's not about playing great golf. They don't, they're not competitive. They want to be able to hit this golf shot that they love to look at. Um, and that's fine. And I, I, I always applaud them players because it's kind of going, okay, to a lot of people, it's, that's silly or Joe wrong they know exactly what they want and yeah and then on the flip side of that you get other players that all they want to do is they don't really care how they look and they want to put in the work but they think they have to do that they think they have to 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 win the money off the friends to to shoot the scores they want to shoot they have to hit this big high draw off the tee Joe, i've seen the best players do it i have to hit it this way and they go, well it doesn't always have to be that way and and them honest conversations, them, them kind of correct analysis of, of your game and mistakes are, are, are a skill in themselves. Yeah, definitely. So one last question here before we uh, get into some of our wrap-up questions or quick round of questions. Uh, what, what would you be say is your maybe top recommendations then for somebody looking to kind of maybe play their best round of golf here? To play their best round of golf. Um, yeah. First thing is actually allow yourself to do it. Just so, so many people get in their own way that, like, if you wanna, if you want to shoot in the seventies, you have to see yourself shooting in the seventies first. So it, it can't seem like something that's impossible first year. Um, and a real simple thing about that is just like Joe. If you're in the middle of the round and you're trying to this thing of kind of staying present and all that like simple question of is it possible? So if you're if you're on the best score you've ever had, you know you're on to break your scoring record and you're on the 16th and you all of a sudden you realize, ooh, I, I I'm now ready for this, and everything normally tightens up. Kind of this thing of is it possible to hit fairway? Yeah, it is like Joe, is it possible? Just these simple questions. Is it possible? And where do I want to hit it? So, so many times people tighten up and it's, it happens to the best players. It happens. It's, it's something that's inevitable that probably will happen. But just because you do it once doesn't mean you're always going to do it. And you can learn from your mistakes. But just that thing of like, where do I want to hit it? Is it possible that I could hit it there? Yeah. So really kind of, kind of free yourself up with that. And then outside of that, it's everyone's game is going to be affected differently. Joe, how, how am I going to shoot my best game? I know when I drive the ball well, I score well. Because for me, my irons don't go offline. They're, they're either 
they carry the distance or they carry about 15 yards short. I either tin them or they go, they go relatively straight. So the days I drive the ball well, I play well. And it's, it's as simple as that for me. So I know what my strength is. My strength is my iron play that it's not offline. So I spend a little bit of time making sure that that never gets bad because if that gets bad, I'm in big trouble. Right. And I know that the best way for me to shoot my good scores is getting that ball in play off the tee while hidden good drives. So the more I practice my driver, the better my golf game is. And then my other thing is lag putting. I can be terrible at lag putting. And all I talk about to my clients is lag putting. But, <laughs> but the fact that I just don't practice it is my big problem. But when I practice my lag putting my drivers, that for me changes my golf game. Um, so it's, it's that thing of what's your strengths and what's going to help you score well. Keep right. your strengths sharp. Make sure what you need to score well is working and then and then if you can have if you have something that's very weak so generally it's the thing that you you don't like practicing if there's a part of your game you don't like practicing generally it's because we're not good at it and we're we all tend to just do the stuff that oh like i like this so i'm going to hit loads of tries and i don't like doing this so i'm not going to practice that so try and find that thing that that makes you that little bit uncomfortable in practice and and practice that too yeah, same thing comes in with, you know, fitness. You know, we tend to stick to the same yeah. thing. You get, you get the guys that love just to bench press and bench press, and that's all they ever do. And it's like, okay, you, you're really good at that. Let me tell you that. But, you know, you, yeah. got these, you got these other muscles that aren't working for you, so you need to work <laughs> on those a little bit. Um, yeah, so. and, uh, like I, I see so much um, correlation between, between, say, someone going to the gym and someone practicing golf. And, like, ye as a – as a profession to personal trainers, strength and conditioning coaches, like so if, um, anyone on towards, you've done such a good job at getting people to buy into programs and stick into a plan. And it's something that like we as golf coaches are very poor at. And it's, it's something that like I fall into as a coach and it's a case of, we fall into this thing of it's a oh, look, come for, come for a 45 minute lesson. 45 minutes left more and I think the only reason that happened is because it it was to make more money like so it's 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 a simple fact if if I keep getting fellas to come for a 45 minute lesson I'll make more money if I if I bring them out onto the golf course I'll get them to be better golfers it's it's that but but what you'd never see well not what you'd never see but what you very rarely see the person in the gym that doesn't stick to a plan is the person that sticks out so the person who if you walk into a gym and you see someone and they look around, they kind of go, oh, what will I start with? Uh, and they go over and they kind of do something. And they, oh, yeah, I'll do two of them. Oh, no, I'm not doing them great. I'm going to do something else or something. That's the person who sticks out in the gym. That's, but on the driving range, it's the person who's actually sticking to a plan is the person that sticks out. The person that maybe has even a list there, clubs all scattered. They're not hitting the same club twice. That's the person who sticks out, whereas 99% of the people are just doing the same thing over and over and over again. Like I've seen people going to the driving range five times a week for two, three years and getting worse because they're not sticking to land. They're, They're nearly going to the range to find a problem. 
hit 15 balls, brilliant, I'm slicing it. I'm going to fix this slice by the end of this range session. Grand, I fixed it, off we go. So if if I said that to you as that was my gym routine, you know, you, you go, Jeremy goes, Dave, what you do in the gym? And I go to you, um, I go in and I lift five or six things and whatever I'm worst at, I just spend the rest of the hour just lifting that. <laughs> You'd think I was pretty mad. Yeah. But but we see it every single day on the driving range. And I think like that's that's part of us as PGA professionals. It's 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 part of like I think like YouTube and all this is isn't great for it. I think like the the information is great on YouTube, but it's there's a lot of clickbait, there's a lot of and I guess this a lot of buzzwords about golf coaching when it's not actually going to help them. Um, whereas as you as a professional in that side of it, it's all about making the person better. And I suppose it's something we have to be better as, as coaches. It comes down to a hard, there's a hard thing where somebody comes to you and they say, Hey, this is what I want. And you gotta be like, okay, that's probably not what you need, but I'm going to give it to you because that's what you're asking for. That's what you're paying me for. Though I don't think this is going to get you to your end goal. And I think that's where it comes back to, you know, the beginning where you talked about, have to take a hard, honest look at what is my, what is golf to me? Where do I want to be? How am I doing now? And then make those, make those goals. And then you can really kind of you're prepping yourself to make the right changes rather than just saying, Oh, I don't want to slice it. I'm tired of slicing it and then go and work on it. And, yeah. you know, that may not be my biggest issue, um, you know, but yeah. yeah. 100%. So, would a handful of wrap-up questions here real fast. Uh, what's your favorite golf memory? Um, golf memory. Uh, I'd always, I always think of what would I want to go back and do again? And I'd love to be back as a, as a kid, just playing that home course that I was talking about. We used to have great group of juniors there. We, we grew up together. I was only thinking of our junior officer today. Um, I was thinking I must give him a ring. We're like he's it was that kind of environment. We were very much nurtured. We used to we used to get up to a lot of things we shouldn't have, I suppose, um, which every kid's will. Uh, that hole I was telling you about that they kept hitting into the river. Uh, the odd time the water would come in and just as the tide's turning, it would be lovely and flat. We used to always skip golf balls across it, trying to get him to skim across. Um, hidden balls into the river for some reason is a fascination as us golfers. We used to do that a lot. Just just hidden aimlessly into a river or off a cliff. If, if you ever play a golf course with a cliff, like you always tee up a ball and hit it off a cliff, like for some reason. Um I think that's 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 just what I'd love to be to be able to go back and and do. I'd love I'd love to be able to spend a week as a, a 14, 15 year old kid being dropped off of the course again at first thing in the morning, spending all day there. Um, that to me is heaven. I, I'm very jealous looking at kids who don't appreciate uh, that. But I suppose we were the same as kids. We didn't appreciate that freedom, pure joy, and just being able to go and playing four or five rounds sometimes in a day, making up golf courses in our heads. We used to we used to play from certain tees to different greens. We used to call it our black course. Um, so like it's it's this stuff of I suppose any good golfer or any any a tour player they'll always say they got lucky in the environment they grew up in. Um, we were doing all this constraint led learning without realizing it by just playing these games. Um, it's just 
that'll be my go-to memory that's that's pure joy to me um my if i was to think of one particular time of a memory would be uh shooting 67 around port rush um in a tournament where they held the british open last year um that to me was i had went through a bit of stuff in my life and came through and decided to kind of dedicate myself to playing serious enough golf um and after kind of three years of going to the gym mike carl had helped me a lot fit for golf um started playing tournament proper tournament golf around ireland um and i'd shot great round the day before they have two courses up in port rush um and then to be able to back it up on a big course like that was kind of to me that was my if i look back and when did i turn into a good golfer it was that round there that's pretty cool What's your favorite exercise or drill to improve your personal game? Um, to improve my personal game, um, and I suppose I actually didn't talk about it as we were going through the stuff, and it's it's just slowing everything down. Um, I'd hit a lot of golf shots at, at 30 40% power, hitting drivers that are going 60, 70 yards, but with full swings, and just slowing everything down. Um, to me, it's it's the it's the best way to accelerate your learning is, is finding that speed where it breaks down. So I can, I generally swing my driver. I, I'll go back to my own game again, just so it's easier to, to talk about my, my driver flat out swing is about 107, 108 miles an hour. Um, if I haven't played in a while, like I haven't now, I'm going to be, I'm going to be hitting a massive slice and it'll probably be something around 80 miles an hour is when I can hit it straight. And I'll hit him at 80 miles an hour and try and get it up to about 85, 90, just slowing that down because it's, it's just like I, I kind of explain it to my players as, as you have to go through the gears. Joe, you, you have to go through the gears in the car. If, if that's me in third gear, I don't want to then just go straight into sixth gear full speed. I want to speed up gradually um, to get that right. So I, I always go back to what's what's the speed that it's breaking down at um, and then just try and gradually rise it up from there. Cool. Uh, what's one takeaway you want everybody to, to apply from today's conversation? Um, don't be afraid to not look a certain way in golf. It's, and I don't mean in sense of like, Joe, have that have that bag set up that suits you, you know, um, ask for help as well. Like Joe, that's, that's what people like myself are there for. Um, I'm employed by the club. I run my own business in the club, but I'm also employed by the club there to, to help my members there. Like, and it's, it's to answer them kind of questions of what easy ways can I help your game? Joe, is the bag makeup right? Joe, have a look at your game and, and figure out what's wrong. And, don't try and suit yourself into the mold of this is what Dustin Johnson won the Masters with using. So this is, if I only want to play good golf, this is how I have to play good golf. There's so many ways to do it. There's so, it's the, it's the greatest thing about golf is that everyone can do it their own way. So you, all you do is look at Jim Furyk. Jim Furyk won 11.2 million in one tournament a few years ago when he won the tour champions. Think of, think of that. And his dad is a just respected coach. Like, so, so if, if someone like him wasn't afraid to play like the way he was playing, but was getting the right advice, um, 
just make sure you're you're getting that right advice. Yeah, definitely. Um, last one here. Who would you recommend that I get on the podcast? Um, if you want to keep it Irish and kind of get that theme going, seeing that you've had Mike and myself, um, my mentor, Stephen Hayes, uh, doing brilliant things putting-wise. Uh, he's done a lot with um, Phil Kenyon courses and stuff, and he's done some fantastic things putting. Um, and the other thing is you need to get some girls on. Ireland has a big campaign. They've, they've done fantastic there in the last couple of years. It's called 2020. Um, it's really trying to push ladies' sport in general into the frame. They're in all the news bulletins. Um, and definitely there's there's some girls there that I've coached that I've seen coming through. And the girls are so good at working. They're so good. They're so dedicated. They're so much better at at listening to instruction there's so much uh more growth mindset of joe oh yeah this person knows more than me i'm gonna listen to him <laughs> so um compared to a lot of a lot of junior boys they're a bit more um i'm gonna do it my way <laughs> yeah. um so you need to get some some girls some some college girls or something like that um a couple of good irish college girls out there at the moment um and another guy is Arno Callahan doing great stuff in Wake Forest as a as a college coach. Um another Irish guy from actually the same park as uh, Mike Carroll fit for golf. So for one little small spot in Ireland, Southern Ireland, we're not doing too bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on here today. Uh before we wrap up, how can we support you and learn more about what you're doing? So, um, as you said at the top, I have a website, davidbarrygolfcoaching.com. Um, you can see a couple of blogs, anything like that. All my contact detail is there. Uh, drop me an email, davidbarrygolf at gmail.com. Um, I'm on Instagram, davidbarry59, Twitter, davidbarry. Um, and happy to talk golf with anyone, as you've probably guessed there just crazy about golf so anybody wants to chat about golf or any questions and they want any help in their game happy to help awesome well that's it for this episode of golf under power podcast we'll have all of uh, david's information in the show notes thank you all for listening and thank you david for coming on no problem thanks for having me thank you guys for listening to this episode hopefully you've enjoyed this content on the go you found it helpful please share with a friend and leave us a review on itunes this allows us to reach more golfers just like you that want to play under par do you want to be stronger and healthier well i've got a resource golf fitness tips it's a free facebook group where we talk about how to take care of our bodies so that we can play more golf we can play golf longer in life and we can play better on the course. If that interests you, then check out the link below or search for Golf Fitness Tips on Facebook.